blood. Amen? We know that by Romans 3.23, every person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we also know that through the sacrifice of Jesus, we have a mediator. And Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, church. This is something God's been really working on with me on a personal level to daily come to him in repentance, no matter how big or how small the repentance may seem at that moment. But being vulnerable and real before God, we're not hiding anything from him. And in that vulnerability, my relationship with God has gotten deeper and we've gotten stronger and I've become closer to the spirit. I still have a long way to go. But I want to encourage you to be vulnerable and come to the throne of grace with confidence. And then we praise him for the mercy and grace that we can find there.
we do, we thank you and give you so much praise for your mercy and your grace this morning. I ask that you call us into deeper relationship with you. Meet us in our vulnerability. And Lord, I pray that out of your glorious riches, you will strengthen us with the power of your Holy Spirit so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And Lord, we ask that you bind us together in unity, established in your love alone, which surpasses all knowledge. God, we offer it up to you and for your glory. And all God's people say, Amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. I'm excited that you are here this morning. Uh, before we dive into the announcements, I have, I don't want to call it bad news, just for some of us, it's not going to be positive news. Uh, Zeb, our middle school director at the last minute, isn't here this morning, and he made the call uh, because middle school students, you guys are working through a series. He didn't want to lose momentum with that, so he said, can you please just ask the middle schoolers, hey, hang out with parents in service today, and he will be back next Sunday. All right? I know I'm just the messenger. We love Zeb. He'll be back, but for this morning, middle school, if you could hang out in here, that would be awesome. Let's talk about some other stuff that's going on at Northview, all right? We have a lot starting up. Awana, just so you know, if you signed up your kids for the at-home Awana, Kayla and her team have been putting together kits for those. The pickup day for that is today. So you're going to come back this evening. I believe Kayla has communicated out when. I believe it's 5 or 5.30. Uh, you'll be able to pull up here, get your Awana kit for your kids, and be able to go home and start doing that. We want to encourage you, really, parents, dive into it with them. Awana is centered around encouraging students to memorize scripture, and if we do that with our kids, maybe we'll end up memorizing and learning something ourselves as well. But that is today, and you can see there's more information on the website uh, for you for Awana. Gentlemen, it's breakfast time. All right, <laughs> there we go. Brian's excited. <laughs> I appreciate that, Brian. Uh, on the 17th, we want to encourage you to come back here 8 a.m. in the morning for a men's breakfast. Uh, we're going to be bringing in box breakfast, so we need you to sign up uh, ahead of time and select what you would like so we make sure we have enough breakfast for the guys that are going to be here. But want to encourage you, if you head to the website or if you have the Church Center app, uh, you can sign up for that. Gentlemen, I would like to encourage you, if you're a father, uh, bring your middle school and high school boys with you. It's a great time for them to be around the other guys of the church. And students, I know it's early. That's 8 a.m. on a Saturday. But you get breakfast and you get to hang out with some pretty cool guys. want to encourage you uh, to do that. It's a really cool opportunity. With everything that's going on, with all of our programs and ministries starting back up, uh, as we've been getting our feet under us and finding our new rhythm, we, we need some help. And if you're out there either here this morning or if you're at home saying, man, I, I want to serve, I just don't know the way to, because sometimes it's a little intimidating, we don't know where to look, here are some of the areas that we need help, whether it's uh, communion set up, so the first Sunday of every month, um, you've been seeing we've been doing communion with the, the cups and the bags of the cracker, it takes a lot of time to prepare for that. If you say, hey, I'd be interested, I'd be willing to come midweek the week before and prep all that or come on Sunday and help put it out or replenish it, we'd love your help for that. Uh, we have an incredible custodial team that goes through and sanitizes the building during the week as well as um, on Sundays. Always a big need, especially now that midweek programs are back and we got middle school and high school and Bible studies and all sorts of stuff happening. Uh, if you were greeted by one of our fantastic greeters at the door and you're like, man, 
I really wish I could be cool like them and, and greet people too. That was such a fun experience. We'd love for you to serve in that capacity. Uh, and Kayla, our children's director, with elementary going on during first service, you can imagine there's always need in, in kids' ministry, whether it's holding babies in the nursery or whether it's helping teach up in Sunday school. Uh, we could use your help with any of those. If any of that sounds interesting, if you're looking at that and you're like, yes, I would like to serve in some way, uh, if you head to the website, you can find contact information there. Uh, you could grab myself, Steve, Shannon, anyone on staff and say, hey, I'd like to learn more. Uh, or you can email frontdesk at nview.org with how you'd like to help, and we'll get you the, the information for that. But we'd love for you to be on, be on the team and help out in different ways. As always, not always, as recent, we're not passing buckets. Um, we have offering boxes in the back. We do thank you uh, for your faithful giving. We've been able to do some pretty incredible things this year. Uh, I hope you've been following along the journey of everything that's happening. Uh, thank you for giving. Thank you for trusting the Lord to guide Northview. We greatly appreciate you having us with, uh, having us, having us, oh boy. Thank you. I don't know, it's early. Uh, but you can drop offering in the boxes, or you can head online or mail it in. Uh, but let's go ahead and go to the Lord this morning on behalf of that. Jesus, we thank you for the people here that give, and they give so faithfully. Lord, as we are now full swing in the fall with Awana starting today, and middle school and high school has started, and Bible studies are going, Lord, there's so many opportunities for us as a church to share your gospel with the community, with our friends, with our family, with our neighbors. Uh, may we be emboldened to do that, Lord. Our finances aren't ours. They're yours. And we choose to freely give back to you, Lord. May you direct it. May you use it. And may this season be an incredible season of impact in our community on your behalf. In your son's name, amen. Now, we're not going to transition to Steve yet. Our executive pastor, Shannon's going to come up with some stuff. Stuff. Um, so I... I Come representing the elder board this morning with just a little bit of business. Um, thanks, Rob. You're the best. Um, we wanted to let you know, um, you probably have noticed uh, outside in the lobby or on some of our signage, the, the slogan, don't do life alone. Uh, we have a membership process that really helps engage people to not do life alone. Uh, and that really goes towards getting people into community groups, helping us to serve to greater depths, um, just expanding our commitment. We have had a group of people that uh, fell victim to, you got another mic for me? Awesome. All right, thank you. We have a group of people that have been languishing. They fell victim to the shutdowns that we've had um, and the split services with both online and, and in person. We haven't been able to vote for our last membership group uh, since back in March. So uh, the board said, you know, let's suspend our regular process. And the board approved these folks uh, on the basis of interviews and, and membership classes and things. Finally, after months, uh, we wanted to present them to you guys. So uh, this morning, we want to present you to, with uh, John and Jessica Clements, Jared and Christina Hoffer, Brian and Esther Marston. Um, shocking. They're now members. Awesome. <laughs> Doug and Lisa Porter, Fred Severe, and Nicole Swingle are all approved members now at Northview. Um, so go ahead and give them a hand. Awesome. We love it when our church body wants to go deeper and, and, and form an even greater commitment with us. So if, if membership is something that you are interested in or if you have questions about, uh, might want to pursue at some point, definitely come let me know. 
Um, we're trying to work out how to run that process with uh, a lot of our people being at home. But uh, we'd like to have another membership class here soon. So if it's something that's of interest, please come talk to me, come talk to Steve, uh, and we'll get some of those questions answered and get you hooked up. Thank you. Thanks, Shannon. I don't know, that Marston clan's kind of sketchy. <laughs> That's great. Oh, welcome, welcome. Hey, we have a, uh, a neat answer to prayer that we thought we'd let you know. We told you last week that uh, uh, James and Sarah needed a place, and we were looking for a place if you'd pray for that. It just so happens one of our families in church had a place that, uh, for frustrating, get this, about eight months, have not been able to get all the stuff put together so that they could go rent it, and I was talking with them. They had not heard the story about James and Sarah, so I was just sharing the story, and they looked at each other and went, duh, and, uh, and so they got a hold of James and Sarah, talked, they worked out a deal, and so James and Sarah have a place uh, here that they can stay. Yeah, give the Lord a hand on that. That was wonderful. That's an amazing, and I had no idea when I went and talked to them that that would connect, right? So it was just one of those incredible things, and we're really grateful, and they will be up in Silver First. All right, so up in that area, and by a lot of you, right by you guys, Clemenses, there you go, yep, hanging out with you, you folks. So that is super exciting, so really glad for that. Hey, we're in our series in Philippians, take your Bibles, turn there. We've been talking about this fall, and uh, I want to keep it in front of us. Four things for the fall that we've talked about. Number one, that we need to remain steadfast. That means in the Word and in prayer, because that's how you stay steadfast, but that is including just staying steady, staying solid, uh, not letting, letting things throw you, uh, need to maintain unity, right? It's just so easy to be split and divided. I doubt that that will go down in the next 25 days or so. Uh, it'll probably increase, so uh, I have a little something at the end of the message for that. That'll be great, but to maintain our unity in Christ. And then three, the need to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord or worthy of of the gospel, thinking about our lives being the message, being the, the thing that the Lord uses there, and then to love each other deeply. And that means you've got to let hold of grudges, you've got to forgive, and you've got to just embrace the people that God puts in your life and the people that um, sometimes are hard for you to love, they're placed there to grow you in that capacity. So last week we talked about the Philippian church. And uh, we talked about how Paul held him in his heart. And I really resonated with that. I, I feel that way about you, Norfew. And uh, we reminded ourselves that we're also called to love one another. And the issue there is not letting our heart grow cold or hard, right? It's just really easy in this environment to just go, right? Put your heart in a safe deposit box and it never comes out. And, uh, you know, you're not going to take any shots or let anyone hurt you. Uh, that the Lord just, you you know, if you love people, it's going to hurt, right? It's that simple. And the Lord continues to challenge us to not let our love grow cold. And I, I would agree that it's a challenge in the times we live in. The book of Philippians, though, what's great about it, it's a great book of encouragement uh, to keep our hearts warm towards God and warm towards each other. If you go through the book and read it, and by the way, I'd encourage you to read through it uh, several times. Just read it, read it again. It's not that long. You can easily read it in a quiet time. Uh, just go through it again. 
but it's encouraging us to lean on the grace that Jesus gives us. And, and he does give us grace. We sang about it this morning. Comes through his Holy Spirit. And when you get in times like this, you start to realize, hey, I've got to, you know what? I probably had the Lord and several other things I'm hanging on. I probably better just make that the Lord, right? And make him the anchor point, the cornerstone. And that's what we talked about. Just to continually trust God. As Paul said, we're sure of this, that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking forward to. That's why we hang in there. That's why we hang together, is because we believe in his return and his second coming, and we're looking forward to that, and we may it come, Lord Jesus. All right, so before we continue, we should probably pray this morning. Would you join me? Father, thank you for my friends. I can't see their smile, but I can see their eyes, and I know they're with me, and I know, Lord, we've come together Lord, people who come on Sundays like this and people who join in on online and are watching, do it because they want to, Lord, not because they have to anymore. Lord, that's really sorted it out. And so we thank you for, Lord, willing hearts, open hearts. And we seek you this morning as we walk through this message that you will continue to work, remind, uh, agitate, clarify all those things that you do in your spirit. You are the most welcome guest. May your manifest presence be among us. May you speak in simple and powerful ways. And we seek you for that and for the sake of your name. Amen. All right. Well, last week we left off at verse 9. So if you've got your Bibles turned there, we're in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. We'll look at it again. Paul says this, and this is my prayer. Here's his prayer. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's prayer is that their love would abound more and more. In other words, not less and less and shrink, but in spite of pressure, it would actually grow and get bigger. They, that they would have pure minds, clean hearts, blameless consciences, And that they would have a righteousness that comes from being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This is a strong warning, I think, in spite of the culture we live in, that we have to stay clean. You get that thrust, you get that picture, you get that sense of it. Um, Saints, hagios, uh, means holy ones or those who are set apart. So let's just stop for a second. And let's kind of do an inventory check. It's been a week since we took communion. Remember last Sunday we had communion together. It's been a week since we've done that. You've gone through a week, and the question is, well, how have we done, right? Practical application time, rubber meets the road here. Um, Anybody dirty this morning? One too many clicks, or maybe a whole bunch of wrong clicks? Anybody jaded or sour or grumpy? Anybody this morning not read the word all week? Just, right? Anybody forget to pray this week? Anybody here have closed off their heart to people 
that they're supposed to be loving? Anybody choosing your own glory instead of Christ's glory? Anybody here approve trash this week with what you've watched instead of approving what is excellent? Anybody this morning? By the way, this works for you online as well, right? Anybody this morning have a guilty conscience? Anybody take something they shouldn't have taken? Anybody slander a neighbor or a friend? Anybody guilty of gossip? And if none of those, how's your thought life? See, the goal of coming to church or Christian fellowship or reading the Bible or praying is not just more knowledge. Although knowledge is important, it's in this passage. But the goal is to be drawn into a deeper and closer relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and with the help of the Holy Spirit. And the goal is holiness. To become more like Him, to be reminded of who we are and what we should be. And what I want to do this morning is just stop right here and give us a chance to do that. It's a great time for us not just to roll through service and and get caught up in words or, or, or blank out. But I want us to give it a minute or two in confession and repentance. Just to come before the Lord and seek Him this morning, that we would have met with Him, and we can ask for His help this morning. And so my encouragement is for us not to be prideful. Let's act humbly, let's turn quickly, let's respond repentantly, and let's just go before the Lord. As you're sitting there this morning, if one of those things I called out, just kind of rang the bell, right? Went bang, bang, that's you. And that's between you and the Lord. Let's get that clean right now, right? Let's know that we can walk out of here washed and clean. So would you just bow your head and close your eyes? And let's, let's seek the Lord together. Father, this is your time to work and to deal with us. Do so. Read our inner thoughts, Lord. Look into our hearts. Go past the veils and the defenses. Wash us. Cleanse us, Holy Spirit. Help us to be clean before you. Lord, may we come to you in the grace that is offered. And we seek you for that. And pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Well, let's move on. Continue in the passage. Look at verse 12 and 13. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my imprisonment and that my imprisonment is for Christ. So the what has happened to me is that Paul's in prison. Right? He's writing to the Philippian church and he's letting them know that he's in prison. And... Uh, When it first happened, when Paul first got thrown in prison, it really threw the Philippian church into great concern. They were in turmoil over it. 
And Paul's letting them know, number one, hey, it's okay. And number two, this has actually kind of worked out pretty well. God has used the situation to actually spread the gospel. And uh, Paul was sharing Jesus, witnessing. Uh, and who was he witnessing to? The people who were assigned to guard him. They usually were chained to him, right? He had some room to roam about, but he was chained to guards. And so he was sharing Christ with them. And they were coming to Christ. And the word had spread. This had kind of gone through the entire imperial guard and to others. When, when we visited Rome, uh, we had the wonderful chance to go there. And uh, we were actually right outside the building where Paul was in prison. And uh, David Bordner, one of our missionary friends and beloved friend, said, Steve, if you go to Rome, the thing you've got to see is where Paul was in prison. Go inside. Unfortunately, we couldn't because the ceiling on the building had collapsed like a month before in a heavy rainstorm. And so you couldn't actually go in. But we stood right outside and went, right there, that's where... And that is an amazing feeling to go, Paul was right there. Like it closes 2,000 years like that. It was incredible. But uh, he was in that prison. And, uh, you know, again, here's the knowledge part. We know that that happened to Paul, right? But here's the application part. When we read that, we go, oh, good for you, Paul. Glad you're doing well. No, that's not the point that's laid out there. The point that's laid out there is this. Sometimes God lets hard things happen in our lives so that the gospel can spread. Do you have that paradigm? I don't like that paradigm, okay? Just to be frankly honest with you. I'd like things to go really good and the gospel to spread, all right? Just my human nature. But what this is telling us is that sometimes God lets really hard things happen so that the gospel can spread. And this is what uh, took place with Paul. And I want to say that we need to look at the events of our life. That's why we need to be steadfast going into the fall, because probably not everything this fall is going to be good. But we have to be steadfast in it, because even the hard things, God can use the hard things uh, in our lives. He can use it for the sake of the gospel. And because of that, we have to have eyes of faith. And what faith means is simply this. Jesus is real. He's here. He's present right now. Whether I can sense him or feel him, I don't go off my feelings. I go off of what God's told me. And I know for sure as a fact that he is here and present. Therefore, because he's here, then I order my week by faith. What has God laid out for me to do to take steps of faith? Whether they're hard or not, okay? Whether they're hard or not. And sometimes we go, well, if it's hard, I don't, I don't want to do it. Paul didn't really want to do what he was doing either. Here's the point. We might not get to where we want to go, but we will get where God wants us to go. And God can use it to get to where he wants to go. Are you up for that assignment? Are you willing for God to let hard things happen so that he can get to where he needs to go with the gospel? When you look at your week that way, it really changes how you lean into something. It changes how you see it. It's not about me. It's about me cooperating with God so that if I do this, I may not like it. It may be hard, but it may help the gospel go where it needs to go. 
That's what Paul is saying here. And I often tell people, you know, you never know what God's up to. You never know how something may play out. And what may start out really bad, really a bummer, can turn out into something really good if God's in it. And the other thing is you never know what God is protecting you from. Uh, I'm sure you've read some of the anecdotal uh, stories from 9-11 of people who should have been in the buildings or people who should have been on the planes and for fluky reasons couldn't get there and then and they're mad as all get out and then later realized, oh my goodness. One person had a flat tire on the way to work and they were mad and actually you know, cussing, upset. And then as they sat there changing the tire, they watched the planes fly into the building. Another person had a brand new BMW. Beautiful car. They were going to go to work and show it off to all their friends and the uh, car shifted down into first gear and would not shift into second or third. And so they had to drive five miles an hour all the way to work and it made them late for being in the towers. Uh, One person had to get, uh, was supposed to be on one of the flights and she hit the numbers, the code numbers. She was one of the stewardesses. She hit the code numbers for her flight backwards, right? Just inverted them and ended up being on the wrong flight and ended up flying to California instead of being on the flight that flew into the Pentagon. There's, There's all kinds of stories like you never know what God is protecting you from. And know that he protects us. And know that you need to trust that. All right? Verse 14, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. This is a significant point. Uh, What's our biggest hang-up with evangelism? Fear. Right? Fear of how other people will react when we try to share with them. And Paul is saying, much more bold to speak without the, speak the word without fear. Often when we see, and here's a good point, often when we see others operate in faith, it increases our ability for us to live in faith as well. Right? If you see somebody else do something, you go, oh, oh, well, I could, I could do that. I'll, I'll try that. And, and, and you go ahead and do it. Now, Paul gave others the faith uh, to witness as well. And notice the issue here. It said what we all identify is fear. So here's one way this story could have played out. I mean, just take scripture like this and flip some of the stories and you can see the human side to it. One side would be this way. Oh man, we're, we're having a hard time. Uh, the, the Romans are really, really scary and difficult to witness to. They're almost like Mill Creek. And, and now... Our best leader's thrown in prison. We're doomed, right? That's one way it could have played out. Here's the other way it could play out. Can you believe that Paul's witnessing within the jail? And he's actually leading some of the guards to Christ? Well, if he can do that in prison, we can certainly do that outside the prison. Let's, let's copy what he's doing. Notice two completely different thrusts. Two different emphasis. That's why, by the way, in the Christian life, uh, if you do not know how to do something, get next to somebody who know who does. If if there's something you don't know, you're not good at, find somebody who is good at it and learn from them. 
Whether it's how to pray or it's how to read the Bible or it's how to share your faith, how to serve in church, how to serve in the community, get next to somebody who's already doing it and learn from them, right? That's what fellowship is all about, is passing on skills. You don't have to go from zero to 100. You can learn from somebody who's already been doing it. Verse 15 and 17, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The later do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. These are some interesting verses, right? Because, again, this clearly emphasizes the point, it's not what you're doing, but why you're doing what you're doing, right? And Paul's talking here about motives. Paul said that some were doing it not really to spread the gospel, rather to stick it to him and to try and make him envious while he was stuck in jail. Now, that's really weird. Who would do that? Right? Who would, who would want to use the gospel as a weapon to stick it to somebody while they're in prison? But Paul says that was the motive of some of the people who were preaching. Uh, they kind of wanted to become, oh, Paul's taken, they wanted to become big man on campus. Right? They wanted to, um, you know, they, <laughs> they wanted some adulation, some notoriety. Uh, they, they, in the moment, Paul's out of the way, I can now be the big guy. And, and Paul was very aware of that. Others were doing it because they loved the Lord and they loved Paul and they were trying to pick up the banner that had dropped when he went into prison and carried on for him. And, and Paul says, you know, it doesn't really matter which way, both ways the gospel's getting out. And likewise, as we try to live the Christian life, we're going to run into all kinds of people that have many different motives uh, who say they're going in the same direction we are. Have you ever run into people who have a different perspective than you in the Christian world? Well, it's all over the place, right? Uh, and this can really throw us off or dishearten us. But Paul had a fantastic attitude on this. Look what he says in verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. NIV says, but what does it matter, right? But what then, or what does it matter? Expositor's Bible commentary says that Paul really here reveals his sense of value. It says, the importance of the gospel and its proclamation so outweighed any personal considerations that he would not cloud the issue by settling personal grievances, right? Paul was able to see past it to the bigger agenda. And I would encourage us that we will need to as well. He was convinced that Christ was preached even by those preachers whose motives were suspect. That takes a lot of faith, right? Uh, most of the time, we spend all our time chopping those who we don't think agree exactly with us. And, and here Paul takes that. He says, you know what? You may not like the way they're doing, but at least Christ is getting preached. may not be the best way. God can still use it, all right? And that's, that's a different way of thinking for us. And I want to suggest, likewise, we probably need to have the same attitude. We may not like how other people are going about preaching the gospel, but Jesus still the fact that Jesus still gets proclaimed is preeminent. And Paul shows amazing maturity and depth right here. He's solid in his own person. He's solid in what God asked him to do. 
He knows what his call is. And he says, and he knows he can trust the Holy Spirit in and for other people. That he'll, the Holy Spirit will turn it around and God will get his message across even through very flawed vessels, including us. All right? God can even use us. If he can use us, he certainly can use other people. Right? And we need to remember that. I think that's important. We, we have seen and will continue to see a lot of chicanery in our culture and within the Christian world itself, right? But God and can will use all things, even crooked things, to bring glory to his son, Jesus. And Paul also models something else. In the midst of this, what I think is extraordinary is he models a spirit of rejoicing. So think about this. He's in prison. People are taking advantage of it. They're usurping his role. They're, they're preaching with false motives. Others are trying to pick up the banner because uh, it got dropped because Paul's in prison and all this chaos is going on. And what does he say? What does he say in the verse there? And I will rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Not just words. Not just words. Remember Paul and Silas singing in the middle of the prison at midnight in Acts chapter 16, right? We went over that last week. I guarantee you the Philippians would certainly remember that story. Why? Because it happened in Philippi, right? So they, they would be very conscious of this is Paul's practice and habit to choose joy. I've told you many times, and I want to say it again, as we go into the fall, as you're choosing to be steadfast, as you're choosing to be united, as you're choosing all these things that we've laid out, joy is a choice, okay? Joy is a choice, and usually it's a choice in the Lord, and you have to decide if you're going to choose joy or not, and Paul here, in the midst of his circumstances, wasn't just going, oh, isn't it all one? He's going, no, you know what? I'm going to choose joy in spite of this. And joy is a choice. And I want to encourage us that joy is a choice before us as well. You know, we have a lot of people here at Northview who have the same spirit that Paul did. They're going through really tough things, really chronic things, painful things that are not letting up. And when I call them or I get a chance to see them, you know what I get? I don't get woe is me. I actually had one of our friends call and say, hey, stop praying for God to heal this and all this stuff. Just pray that I have joy while I go through it. Right? And, and there's something to that. There's a, there's a depth. There's a maturity to that. Their joy isn't that they're just going through hard things, but rather that Jesus is close to them and they know it. And as they go through the hard things, they sense the Lord in a deeper way than they ever have before. What they're saying is Jesus is the greater value, not the pain. And I think that's a great lesson. That's what Paul is trying to say right here. By the way, it is one of the preeminent lessons to be learned in the Christian life. Okay? And this brings us to one of the real anchor points in the book of Philippians. Paul goes on to say this. Look at verses 19 to 21. He says, For I know that through your prayers... I know what he's saying there, because you're praying for me, Philippian church, I know through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, 
but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The first thing to notice here is the tremendous amount of encouragement that Paul drew from knowing that the Philippian church was praying for him. We pray very hard at this church. We try to pray very hard at this church. We're trying to get better at it. We're trying to go deeper in it. Uh, we pray every Sunday morning before the services, a whole group of team. If you want to, by the way, that wasn't on the screen, but if you want to join that team, you're welcome to join us as well. We both meet in person and Zoom, so you don't even have to be there, but you can join us in prayer. Uh, the staff takes that list then, and everything we learn from Sunday morning, as you share with us, we add to that list. Then we pray that list on, Sunday, on Monday afternoon at the staff meeting. And then we take all the things we learn from that, add to it, and then the elder board on every other week basis prays for that list as we go through it together. And one of the reasons we do that is because we really believe prayer makes a difference in that God hears our prayers. And that God can do things that we can't do. And so we need him to do it. That is a faith step by us, right? And Paul here is talking about the tremendous amount of encouragement. I can't tell you how many times I've picked up the phone and said, hey, I want you to know we have been praying for you. And the people on the other end of the phone said, we know it. We know it. We could sense this week that something different was happening and that it was, it was helping us. And we got through that and we knew somebody had been praying for us. Thank you. For, and tell the team, thanks for praying for us. It really made a difference. That we want to keep doing that, right? But Paul was saying through their prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit, he was pretty sure he would be set free. And that was his eager expectation. But his bigger hope was that he would stand strong, i.e. here not to be ashamed, not to be an embarrassment. Uh, when he stood in front of the imperial court and the judges and witnessed to them why he was in those chains, right? I don't know if you've ever been in court before or if you've ever been on jury duty uh, or ever uh, stood before a judge, but it, it's a pretty amazing experience, right? And here we're talking about not just any old court or any old judge. We're talking about the imperial court of Rome, basically the supreme court of Rome. And Paul's talking about the difference that their prayers made as he was doing that. And he was saying that, that he was hoping that he would have courage. You, Paul, telling the Philippian church, I, I, keep praying for me so that I have courage. Right? We just think Paul just plowed through everything. No, he had feelings and emotions just like us. He went up and down just like us. And the reason we still have so much of his history is because he cho chose to have not just joy, but he chose to have courage. And he said that he would have courage and that he would, the biggest goal is that he would honor Christ, that he would honor the Lord Jesus. Whether the verdict was life or death, whichever way it went, that he would honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was asking for prayer that he would stand strong in the trial, pun intended. Got it. And this follows one of the most famous statements in all of the New Testament. What does Paul say? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You want to take the whole New Testament and 
Condense it into one pithy statement. There it is. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's one of the great statements in the whole New Testament. And it tells us a lot about Paul's mindset. He had his mind set on things above, God's kingdom. It tells us both his purpose. What's his purpose? To live is Christ, right? That's his purpose. And his goal, to be with the Lord eternally, right? To die is gain, because if I die, I'm going to be with the Lord eternally. So it tells us both his purpose and his goal. And so dying was not a loss for Paul. He says a very similar thing in the book of Galatians. Uh, You'll recognize this, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. This once again underlines the importance of living each and every week by faith. Not just routine, but looking through the eyes of faith and saying, Lord, by faith, what's this week going to look like? What do you have for me to step into? Help me. Help me see you, and help me see your kingdom this week. So that would be a lesson for us this week, right? What do we say this week? Lord, by faith, what do you have for me this week? What do you want me to step into? What should I do? Jesus laid this kind of foundation, uh, this, in, this kind of thinking. Uh, he laid the foundation for it during his ministry. In Luke, he said, and he said to everyone, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, We know these famous words. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Paul knew exactly where he stood. He was not only willing to live for Jesus, He was willing to die for Jesus. Are we? It's a great question to ask. Are we? And here's the reason why. I know that's a little dramatic, but think about this. It's often been said that if you don't know what you will die for, you won't know what to live for either. But it's just as equally true. Well, let me back up a second. Before that, what are your non-negotiables? What for you is non-negotiable? And is Jesus at the top of that pile? Or is he second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth, somewhere down there? Where, where does Jesus fit in that? Here's how Paul laid this out. He says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet I, sh- I shall choose, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. The Expositor's Bible commentary talks about hard-pressed means squeeze between two immovable objects. Like when you come into a narrow canyon or if you've ever uh, spelunked in caves and the walls come together and you're trying to crawl through and get through them, neither one will give. It means both ideas were pressing on him. He wasn't sure which way to choose or which way to pray. 
There wasn't a lot of give either way in his circumstances. In our language, man, it'd be cool to peace out and be with Jesus. That's 60s language, sorry. Okay. But I think, I think you need me, so I'd better stay. That's kind of what he was saying. Look at verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So you didn't know Paul was from Texas, did you? Right. Y'all. That's right in there, see? He knew that he, what he knew, Paul knew what he meant to the Philippian church. And he realized he would be staying wise so that they could continue to grow and move forward with joy in the faith that, and, and that he, Paul, would actually see them again. And history actually bears this out. Paul was released from his first imprisonment to do just that. Let's go back to the core statement of what we've been covering this morning. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm not willing to live for him, then I won't be willing to die for him either. But the opposite is also true. If I'm not willing to die for him, neither will I be willing to live for him. They kind of feed each other. Paul was telling the Philippian church not to be thrown or in despair by what they heard that was happening to him. And so it should be for us as well. Paul would tell us to hang in there, not be shaken. In other words, what's the word? Steadfast, right? By the things we see going on around us. And Paul would encourage us to be surrendered, ready for what God might ask of us. And Paul would say to do all of this with joy. I saw a great little ditty this week that I thought was worth repeating here. It says, during the next 25 days, obviously speaking of the election, please don't let the elephants and the donkeys make you forget that you belong to the lamb. Is that good? Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. During the next 25 days, please don't let the elephants and the donkeys make you forget you belong to the lamb. Take that one home. That one, that dog hunts. All right. It's good. That's really a clever way of saying what? Stay steadfast, right? Keep your eyes on Jesus. So let's go over the four things again. This fall, as we go as a church, what is the Holy Spirit asking of us? He's asking us, number one, to be steadfast, right? Be in the word, be praying, stay steadfast, eyes of faith, stay steady. Number two, maintain unity. Do whatever's in your power to maintain unity with brothers and sisters in Christ, especially here, okay? Even in audience, if you can't be here, you can still maintain unity from your home as you talk with and uh, about other people. Number three, what we've been talking about and we're going to look at even more in depth next week is walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. What does that mean? What does that look like? We're going to cover that next week in a deeper level. And then number four, love each other deeply. Let God grow our capacity to love. Some of us got big hearts. Some of us got little tiny hearts like the Grinch. Remember what happened to the Grinch? Right? The heart blew up and got open. We need the Lord to do that for us. Give, uh, if you have a hard time loving people, here's a great out. Here's a great way to do it. Look at the person, whoever it is. Let's say Steve's down here. It's my buddy. But pretend I don't like Steve. Okay? Pretend Steve's a gunky. And I'm looking at Steve and going, Bleh. Well, we had coffee this week, so that's not true. But pretend, pretend I don't like Steve. God, I don't like him. 
love him. I don't even like him. Ugh. All right, here's the deal, God. Give me your love for Steve. Put your love for him in my heart so that I can express your love to him. Try that. It's very powerful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we aim at these, we realize it's not an effort to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. It's not an effort to try harder. It's merely a call to cooperate deeper, to be with you, to let you have your way, to choose joy instead of, instead of anger or bitterness or pity. Father, it's to let you work in our hearts. And Lord, it's to step by faith. This is as true for me as everyone in this room and as true as for everyone watching. Lord, light it up for us. We seek you as we go in the fall that we would be like Paul and that we would say, in spite of the difficulties, we will rejoice. And yes, we will rejoice. We will choose joy because you're joy. Help us to do that in a consistent way that makes a difference. Lord, be at work in us individually, be at work in us in families, be at work in us corporately. Lord, we seek you during this time to prove that you are the risen and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, who we celebrate and we worship and we give that to you in your name. Amen. Amen. Church, stand with us as you're able. We're going to go out in praise and proclamation. We know that it is not by our strength, but by the Spirit of the Lord working in and through us. Amen? Steve, we're going to be triggered. We're going to sing, I will not be shaken. But church, we know that means it is Christ in us that is not shaken, not us. All right? Here we go.
his love. Maturity is learning to close the gaps that exist between you and him. Maturity is learning to close the gaps. Be good at closing gaps this week. Enjoy. And all God's people said, amen. All right, you're dismissed. Again, if you could help us by going out the back doors, that would be tremendously appreciated. We'll see you next week.